Hello, and welcome to this Soulless Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit soullesschurch.com. So Hebrews 12, let's read it together. Verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God for the people of God, to which we say, thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word today. We ask that you would use it as a tool in your hand. We know how powerful your word is, sharper than any two-edged sword. Would you be at work in our lives today? We just want, want to be available to that. Um, that's why we're here, to open your word, to hear it taught, but ultimately to hear you speak to us. And so may that be true. Holy Spirit, would you please speak through me to us in this time, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, this morning, I've got a, a nice lengthy sermon title for you. I want to preach this morning here at Hebrews 12 from the title, Running the Race and Taking the Turns. Running the Race and Taking the Turns. I, we're going to talk about even the background of this. Uh, it's apparently called the Tale of the Dragon. It's a road in Tennessee, which has a lot of turns to it, where a lot of cars find themselves racing. Um, here in, in chapter 12 we see uh, of Hebrews, we see the mysterious author of Hebrews, likely Paul, describing the Christian life as a race, as a race to be endured, as a race that Jesus promises to get us to the finish line of. Uh, this is, for me, why I it's likely this is the Apostle Paul. Paul is often privy to this analogy to describe our lives, isn't he? It's at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 3 that Paul will say that I have finished my race. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that Paul will say that, listen, if you're going to run a race, you should do so with the purpose of achieving a prize. You should run on purpose. You should sprint towards a goal. I think it's likely that this is Paul. But nonetheless, describing our life as a race that we run. Now, any good competitive racer, anyone just in general who races, what they'll tell you is that one of the most important parts of any race is taking the turns. It, it's taking the turns. It can be such a vital part of, of being successful, of crossing the finish line. Anybody can sprint and go full throttle, whether it's a moto race or a foot race, whatever kind of race. Anybody can go full throttle on a straightaway. But the real winners of races are those that know how to take the turns well. I think specifically of a unique moto racing sport. This is called MotoGP. Have you ever seen these guys? Um, they're guys that are able to not just uh, you know, top out in these like, multiple horsepower machines. They go over 200 miles an hour, 255 miles an hour. But they're able to take the, these, these machines around turns going 110 miles an hour. Here's kind of a zoomed in picture. Look at this, okay? So this is about a 60 degree lean angle that these guys take going, I mean, imagine being that close to the ground going 110 miles an hour. And any of these guys, they will tell you that these turns are so vital. Because even despite how fast you're sprinting, 
if you don't take the turn well, you'll spin out and you'll lose all that momentum. You'll lose your lead. It's key to endurance and finishing the race. And I think this is a great picture what we're trying to talk about here is I think we're talking about what the racetrack of our lives really look like. Paul here is talking about our lives as a race, but if we were to look at our lives and look at the racetrack that we're on, how many of you guys have experienced this, that the racetrack is not a straight line, but it's a winding road? It's filled, as I put that picture up there earlier, it looks a little bit more like this. There's all sorts of twists and turns in life. Uh, Twists of opportunity, twists of opposition, Turns of adversity, turns of achievement. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 20, uh, 21, verse 1, that the king's heart, I love this verse, is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wishes. Have you experienced that before? It's, it's maybe, this is like maybe too uh, conservative. Life can be a little bit more like a roller coaster, right? And all you can really do sometimes is just strap in and enjoy the ups and downs and, and all arounds. Now, uh, this road specifically, like I said, it's called the Tale of a Dragon. It's a road in Tennessee. Anybody driven in a mountain road like this before? Now, coming from Florida, where everything is a straight line, and everyone drives great with their blinker on and friendly hand gestures, and they use their horn to say, hi, you know, hey. I got beeped out on the way here. It was like I was, I think, two seconds late for the green light, which is like two hours, and I got a, a whole orchestra behind me. Ran! I was like, oh, pray, let's go, you know. Um, but driving in Tennessee, I have some friends that live up in Chattanooga. It's a whole nother experience. You have to know how to take the turns of the road. Now, this is all meant to be an illustration for life with Jesus. Following Jesus, so much of following Jesus in the race of life is learning how to take the turns of life. You ever spun out, by the way, spiritually? You ever had a, well, that was an unexpected turn. Now, following Jesus is following him around those turns. Now, we all, the re, Andrew, where are you getting at with this sermon? Running the race and taking the turns. We are all headed for, in three days, a turn. It's the turn of the year. 2019 into 2020. We're all, inevitably, whether or not uh, you intend on it, we're all taking a turn. It's actually the turn of the decade. Now, some people disagree. Some people are like, well, 2021 is really when the decade happens. But you don't call it the 2021s. We're going to call it the 2020s, which is also crazy to think about. Like, we're in the 20s again. Remember, like, the roaring 20s? Like, Great Gatsby? We're in, like, Great Great Gatsby now. 2020. This is crazy. All right, but we're taking a turn. Now, my heart for this message this morning is for us to think about how are we taking this turn with Jesus? In this race of life, how are we taking this turn into the new year? And if there is one specific way that I would love to see us take a turn into this new year, it would be with this simple word, with intentionality. To be intentional about this turn. Um, This Christmas... We, uh, we caved and we, we prayed. We prayed about it. We, prayed, we pray about our gifts. We're so spiritual. What, what gifts should we get them, Lord? No, it's not that spiritual. But we definitely, there was one gift in particular for Judah that we sought him about, and it was um, a Nintendo Switch. Um, I was leaning mostly towards it f- for certain reasons. Um, <laughs> But uh, we definitely were like praying through, is this what we want to do? And we, we decided, you know, we, have some, we got some counsel and we thought, you know, we're going to regulate it heavily, you know, weekends, a couple hours here and there. Um, but we're already having such a blast. So Judah got a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. And, and uh, best game on there is this game called Mario Kart. It's Mario and Go-Karts and all his friends. And Evie wanted to play the other day and it was hilarious. 
Because all Evie, we taught her how to do, we said, okay, here's the gas pedal, here's the throttle, but all she knows how to do is push the gas. And so the way that Evie takes the turns in this racing game is she just grinds the guardrail around the corner. But she's flying, right? And, and I just thought, man, what a great illustration for how a lot of us may be taking the turn into the new year. Man, are you going into 2020 on autopilot? Do you have your foot on the gas, but maybe not on the steering wheel? Are you being intentional about this turn? Now, here in Hebrews 12, as Paul is describing this race of faith, and here in life as we're taking a turn, he gives us some great advice that could lead us to take this turn well. And let me uh, walk us through those. The first thing that, that, the, that the author here of Hebrews would have us do is, number one, reflect and remember. Let's start here. The first way to intentionally take a turn into the new year, the new decade, we should do this by not being on autopilot, but being intentional to reflect and remember. Reflect on and remember what? Well, look at the first thing he tells us there in verse 1 of Hebrews 12. He says, in this race of faith, he says, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This is so cool. Paul is, um, in, in the metaphorical sense, he's talking about a race and he's pulling from a Greek word picture. It has to do with like a large crowd looking on. In my head, I think of Star Wars Episode One and uh, Anakin in the, what's that called, a pod racer. And it's, I mean, I don't, that wasn't, and Paul didn't write from the context of Star Wars, but um, I just picture just the, the amphitheater feel of a crowd of people looking on. So I love this first idea. Paul's like, think about the race you're in and just realize that around you, you have all of these witnesses. Now, though he's using that word picture to describe a large crowd, he's not describing witnesses of a race. These witnesses that Paul is saying is all, are all around us, he has already described who they are in Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews 12, verse 1, starts with the word therefore. And we've been talking about this, right? Anytime you read the word therefore, you've got to ask, what is it therefore? What is chapter 12 responding to? Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is what builds up into Hebrews 12. And it's been commonly referred to as the famous hall of what? Of faith, right? We have halls of fame um, for all sorts of different uh, genres and arenas. But Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. It's describing what a life of faith looks, by, looks, looks like by looking at these great characters of history that trusted in God's faithfulness and how they didn't just have faith, but how they acted in faith. They lived in faith, faith as a verb. So if you go through Hebrews 11, you'll see things like, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. You'll get Noah, who by faith moved with godly fear and built an ark. And it just goes through all these Old Testament saints who are in this hall of faith, who live their lives of faith. Now, these are the witnesses that Paul is, or that the author of Hebrews, rather, is talking about here. In fact, at the end of chapter 11, let's go back to chapter 11, right before chapter 12, look at verse 39. It says about these men and women of faith, men and women, that they obtained, look at this, a good testimony through faith. Okay, they obtained a good testimony. They're witnesses. What's a witness? Someone who has a testimony. Someone who could stand up and testify to something that they have seen. Now, what are these witnesses testifying? They're testifying of a life that was lived with faith in God and what it's produced. And I love what it says. They got a good testimony. They're here to testify that when you live your life with full faith in God, you're not going to be disappointed. 
They're witnesses of that. And I love that Paul is saying this. As you're walking your road of faith, you are surrounded by a cloud, a crowd, a whole gathering of people who have witnessed God's faithfulness. Can I say, by the way, that this is why we need to be in church? This is why we need community? How many of us know this, that my faith needs your faith? Your faith needs my faith. Our faith needs each other's faith. We need to be witnesses together. We need to testify together. I know you're going through a hard time, but I've been there. And listen, I didn't seem like I wanted to trust God. I didn't feel like it. But can I tell you, he's faithful. We need that. We need witnesses around our lives when when we're not seeing God's faithfulness who can remind us of that. So that's the first thing that Paul is setting up in this race. The first thing you need to know that as you're running this race of faith, you're serving a God who's worthy of your faith because he's faithful. Always faithful. There's, There's a great history. There's testimony. There are witnesses of this, young and old. Now, I think this is a great way, by the way, going back to this idea, to take the turn into 2020. Wouldn't it be good for us to not just step into 2020 without taking the time to think about in 2019 all the ways that God has been faithful? It can be easy in stepping into 2020 to sort of rush out of 2019, but it would be wise for us who are also the witnesses of God's faithfulness, to reflect and remember how faithful God has been in this previous year. Here's the question that I think this point leads us to simply ask ask this morning, and you can write this down as well. How have you witnessed God's faithfulness in 2019? I think this is where this needs to start. In making that intentional turn into the new year, how have have you been able to join this cloud of witnesses? What has God done in your life in 2019? Now, the reason why this is such an important question to ask, how have I witnessed God's faithfulness in 2019, is Psalm 111. Look at this scripture. Psalm 111 says this, The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious. His righteousness endures forever. Notice this last verse, verse 4. And he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. God has done what he's done for us to remember, and it can be so easy to forget. You know, this is the heritage and the history of God's people. God's people always tending to trail away from the faithfulness faithfulness of God by forgetting who he is and what he does, especially when we're up against new obstacles, right? You're like, you, you don't realize you faced this challenge last year, but here we are again. Back to square one. This is what our tendency is to do. Forgetting God's faithfulness. Not remembering who he is and what he's done. And we see in the nation of Israel how this took them to all sorts of places. In fact, Judges 8 describes uh, the reason generations passed on in Israel. And one of the main reasons in Judges 8, I think it's verse 24, one of the main reasons why Israel went after other gods and worshipped idols like Baal was because it says that they had forgotten the Lord. One of the main causes to spiritual wandering is our memory. Who God is. What he's done for me. I think of Israel stepping into the promised land uh, in their journey there after the wilderness. And Moses is instructing Israel in Deuteronomy 8. And it's just such a beautiful call that God gives uh, the nation. I want you to hear this in, in Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, I'm going to read this to you. God is speaking to his people who he's done works to be remembered by. 
And he tells them, it says this, this is Moses speaking, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs. I pray this is true over 2020, amen? A good year, a good land. Uh, walking in the presence and faithfulness of God and deep springs gushing out in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, this is again Deuteronomy 8, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. It's basically that one aisle at Whole Foods, all that stuff, all right? Verse 9, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Abundance, what a place to live. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. God's saying, listen, You've been through some hard times. I'm bringing you into a great place, Israel. When you have eaten and are satisfied, he says, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Don't forget. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you, are, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build, find houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you out of, hard, out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat. In the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and to test you. They, sorry, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Listen to this. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, remember, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, should have said when you forget, that's what ends up happening. I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God and forgetting him. Do we see this? Great blessing in remembering. Great destruction in forgetting destruction and forgetting listen all that i am and all that i have can you just stop for a second think back on your year and how's your heart as you perceive your successes let's start there as you perceive your achievements who's responsible for it who are you tracing that line back to let's be those that heed these words and we say god it wasn't me it wasn't me that did all that it was you May I not be so proud that I forget you. It was you. Now, maybe some of you are going, uh, Andrew, I had a hard 2019. I wish I could have that problem. Oh, it wasn't my own awesomeness that gave me this awesome year. It was God. <laughs> Oops, right? I wish I had that problem. But a lot of you are going, no, I had a wilderness year. And I love that, I love that God includes that. He's like, that was my faithfulness with you too. So maybe as you, as you reflect and remember how God was faithful in this year, maybe for you it's not about all that you've achieved. Maybe it's about the fact, listen, that you've walked through some hard stuff, and right now you need to remember that God took you through that. He carried you. He's the one that brought you through. That's what he's saying. It was me. It was me. When we look back on 2019, let us be able to name it after God. All the different ways that he was faithful. Amen? You know, I had to do that this year at the end of the year um, recently. I, 
I faced some issues, I, I faced, and it had specifically to do with God's provision. That's usually what it is, right? Like, I need this, God. Are you aware of that? I'd like for you to show me that you're aware of that by taking care of that, right? <laughs> and I was in a situation like that, and I realized what was at the root of my issue in needing something. It wasn't my need, it was my faith. And what was the problem? The problem with my faith was, was my forgetfulness. And um, the Lord took me back even recently to, this, to um, a way, and this is why journaling is so helpful. Like, oh, oh God, you were, right? You know what I'm saying? Here's the date. Here's when you were faithful. Uh, two years ago, this is the specifically where God brought me back in this journey. Um, we were having, it was a little over two years ago, we were having the first gathering for Solace Church. It was 20 people in a living room. And it was our first official, it was our core team, you know, the Navy SEALs of Solace. You don't even, they're here right now, they're hiding, you don't even know, you know, just kidding. But it was our core team, that's a joke, that's a joke. All right, it was our core team who uh, got, the initial team that got assembled to start the church. And, and um, throughout the season of, of stepping out in faith, the call that God gave us to, to plant Solace, uh, the major theme was God saying, this isn't about you, this isn't what you do. This isn't your church. This isn't even your calling. I'm just using you. <laughs> it's like, that's good to be reminded of, right? It's my church. It's my calling. You're mine. Just follow me. And one of the main themes was Hebrews 11, verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if anyone comes to God, he must believe that he is who he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's a life of faith. God, I know who you are, and I know that you're going to be faithful to provide everything you know I need. So there's a, a time when this was tested, and this is what I had to go back to remembering God. Uh, it, was our, it, was, it was the morning of um, our first meeting, and I remembered, you know what, we have a house. It's such a blessing. The Steffers are opening up their home for us to do this Bible study in their house. But I don't have one of the most, if I need one thing, my mindset was, I need a podium. I'm not going to stand there with, like, my Bible and my notes. Like, I need, and I don't want to use a chair or something, you know. So I started to thinking, you ever done this? You have a problem, you go, how can I solve my own problem? Now, I used to work at Calvary Chapel Boca Raton, was in the youth ministry there. Uh, love them, love Calvary. That's, that's one of our sending churches. And I was driving home from studying at Starbucks in Meisner. It was early. Driving home on Camino. I used to live out west there. and was passing Calvary Boca. We'll cut this out of the recording so they don't ever know about this. But um, passing Calvary Boca, and I'm passing the youth room, and, I, and it hits me. I go, I have a podium in there. I've given eight years of ministry to that, that uh, portable. I can go borrow it. They won't, I'll bring it back. They'll just say, you're a blessing. I hope you preached well on that podium, and it'll be over. And so I'm getting, as I'm about to pull in to the parking lot, I hear the Lord just kind of knock on my heart. And he's like, that's you, not me. And that just Hebrews 11 came to my mind. Just why don't you ask me for what you need? It's like, okay, Lord, I'll try that. <laughs> you know? It's kind of been a theme. So I pray. So, Lord, you, you know what I need. Um, so I, I'm not kidding you. You ever, had a, you ever just, by the way, you ever prayed one of those prayers? Like what makes God great is he's big and sovereign. But what makes God good is that he cares about every little part of our lives. So he's so good that you can pray for things like, God, would you please provide a podium for me to preach your word? Some of you guys, how many of you guys know this story, by the way? A lot of you. I've told it a lot. Um, 
it's still awesome. And I needed to be reminded of it. So I'm driving home. I pull in my driveway. Pray on the way home. Pull in my driveway. I'm not even kidding you. The second I pull in my driveway, my neighbor is walking to my door with this in her hand. Our next door neighbor is we had gotten really close with. It's a, a grandmother that takes care of like six of her grandkids. And um, her son had this from when he used to play music. And I pull up and I see it in her hand. I'm, I'm already crying before I get out of the car. So she's like, you're right, you know? And she's like, well, I heard you were starting a church. I thought you might need this. And yeah, yeah, he's, God's good. He's good. And, I, and this is not about me. This is about God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you have a version of this. Now, the, my favorite part of the story is her son's name was Jesus. I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> That's like a really important piece of the story. Jesus literally provided that podium for me. <laughs> but can I tell you, man, if I hadn't told this story, if I hadn't marked this down, I wouldn't have the faith I need right now for the thing I'm praying for. Do you know what I mean? So where are you doing that? What are the ways that God has been faithful in 2019? A cloud of witnesses. Are you a part of that cloud of witnesses? I know you are. How has he been faithful? Whether it's through providing for you, whether it's through carrying you through what you've gone through this year, give God the glory for that. Amen? Now the next thing that Paul tells us to do is notice this. This is a, a bit more convicting now as he describes in this race. He says there's a cloud of witnesses, but notice also in verse 1, as we're running this race, he says, let us... Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So as we move into the new year, we want to be intentional to join the cloud of witnesses to, as we said, reflect and remember God's faithfulness in 2019. But as we intentionally take this turn into a new decade, we want to be intentional to also recognize and release. Recognize and release. Uh, Paul is describing something that's essential to being the fastest one in the race. It's being the one with the least amount of weight. And the word weight there, it's meant to convey what we're all thinking. Um, the skinniest one is going to be the fastest out of the group in a lot of ways. But the word weight can also be translated to mean in, uh, any impediment, or hindrance. You know, in a race, there, there can be, whether it's an injury, whether it's poor training, whether it's excess, whatever the excess weight is, Paul is saying that sometimes the thing that's keeping us from running the race that's set before us is this extra baggage we're carrying, this weight. It's an interesting concept. And what does he say to do with it? This is so simple. He says, we just need to lay it aside. I love that. Lay aside every weight, and here's what he attaches it to, so every kind of weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So this is now a metaphor, talking about the race of faith. This is just a statement of fact. The good news of the gospel, listen, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that all of the weight of our sin was put on Jesus. Every last ounce of it. Do we know that? Every part of it. Everything you have done, are doing, and will do. Do we know the gospel in that way? We need to rest in that. There's a weight off from that. Amen? All of the weight. Think of Jesus carrying and bearing that cross. 
the weight of that cross. And on that cross, the weight of my sin was put on him so that I could have the easy yoke of Jesus, the burdenless life of Jesus. That's true eternally. When we get to heaven's gate, we, we, don't, we don't enter in with a weight of sin. It was all on Jesus. Yet here, as we are following Jesus, sin will try to weigh us down. And if we take on the weight of sin, it will. It just will. Some of you know this too familiarly. You, you know how, how true it is that the weight of sin slows you down. It keeps you from where you're supposed to go. It just does. Some of you are, are you look at your race and you go, you know what, going into 2020, I've got a lot of weight. I, like, I don't mean that in the way that a lot of people are thinking about 2020. Like, I need to get a Peloton or something. Like, I'm saying, like, for a lot of us, as we take this turn into the new year, we've got to recognize what sin is there in my life. Like, I, come on, I don't mean, I know this is, like, hard to do, because it's like, well, sin, Jesus dealt with sin, I don't have sin. Like, I don't mean, like, we all sin. If anyone says he doesn't sin, First John says he's a liar, Okay. But then there's sins that we're holding and carrying. Do you know what I mean? There's those things that were just, think of the rich young ruler who his sin of greed, had, he had such a grip on his sin of greed that he didn't realize that it had a grip on him. And so when Jesus said, get rid of that to follow me, he walked away sorrowfully because of the, the attachment and the weight that he was unwilling to lay aside. Now, the reason why we talk about this opportunity to recognize that weight and release it going into the new year is because we get a new year. And, and if anybody specializes in fresh starts and new chances, it's Christians, right? Because how many of us know we don't need a new year to get a fresh start? Aren't you glad for that? We don't. In fact, I love what the Bible says. The Bible says, for, for those in Christ, the Bible says, though the, the Lord's, through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new, I love this, every morning. Every single morning when you and I wake up, we get, it's like a new year, a clean slate, a fresh start. In fact, if anyone is in Christ, let's take this a step further, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. We are new. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it good news to know that in Christ you have a perpetual clean slate? You don't have to wait another 300, you know, when you fail to keep your resolutions. Or when, in, when the first week into, into January, you're tempted and that sin weight starts to creep back on your back. You don't have to wait another however many 300-something years. But you can repent right then and there, knowing that your sin has been put on Jesus and you're cleansed. You recognize it and you release it because Jesus has released you from it. And before him, you and I, we have a perpetual clean slate. I love the way Romans 5 says it. It says that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You bring your, 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 your pile of sin to God and he shows, he shows you grace that's as numerous as, as the, the sand on the beach, man. Grace abounds much more, a perpetual clean slate. So we of all people should specialize in fresh starts and not waste time carrying the weight of shame from our sin. So we should see this new year, I just think, as an opportunity. Maybe you go, no, Andrew, I agree with you. I don't need to wait to the new year. Okay, start tomorrow. Okay, start tomorrow. Start your New Year's resolutions two days before the new year. Maybe you want to do that, okay? But the idea is taking advantage of seizing the opportunity of a new year, man. A new year. Knowing that, it, that my, my clean slate doesn't come through the new year. It comes through Christ. 
But in this new year, because of that clean slate, I'm going to recognize, I'm going to repent over that sin. I'm going to lay it aside. Because here's the work that God is doing in our lives. The work that he's doing in our lives as Christians with those clean slates is a work of renewal. Renewal. It's a really important word. It's used a lot in scripture. And it describes the regular process of God in our lives to make us new. Making us new. He has made us new, but he is making us new. It it describes it this way in uh, Titus 3. Uh, Titus writes, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. It was all him. And notice this work of salvation. It was through the washing of regeneration. That means he has regenerated us. We've been born again in Christ. And the look at this. I love this word. The renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he has poured out abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Listen, no matter how many old habits you are wearing, no, no matter how much of yesterday you're carrying, what you've done and who you are, where you've been, understand this, that if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is in you, and he is always taking you towards new, always. Despite how old you feel, despite how old you've been, despite how many old habits you've resurrected, despite how much weight you're carrying, what God wants to do in our lives is make us new, and new again, constant renewal, constant reboot and refresh like bad internet. A clean slate, a clean page, a clean life. I love what David prays in Psalm 51. You ever had to pray this? Lord, create in me a new heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. You ever experienced that with the Lord? You ever experienced that work? Some have called it revival. I like the word renewal, where you're worshiping God, and he just renews your love for him. Now, renewal, according to Paul, this is really interesting in Ephesians 4, it looks like taking off some things and putting on some things. He says in Ephesians 4, put off concerning your former conduct. Or as, as the writer of Hebrews would say, lay aside the weight, the old man, it's no offense to the older folks in the room, by the way, okay? But the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. So the old man, those weights, it's, I'm const- it's making me corrupt. That's what it's doing. It's corrupting God's work in my life. But we should instead, notice it, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the work of God by his spirit in our lives. And what a chance here with the turn of a new year to be intentional about this. God, I see how you've been faithful in 2019. God, I also see, and I'm going to, here's what I should say. I see how you've been faithful in 2019, and I see the things I'm going to carry with me into 2020, right? I'm going to take this testimony of your faithfulness, and I'm going to let it fuel my faith for who you're going to be in 2020. There are a lot of things about you, Lord, that I'm going to take from this year into the next. And God, there are a lot of things that I've held in this year that I need to leave in this year because you want to renew me. There's things i got to put off. Here's, Here's the question that we should ask ourselves in light of this. What have you carried in 2019 that you need to lay aside in 2020? Just process that for a second. What have you carried in 2019 that you need to lay aside in 2020? Maybe right now you're like, Andrew, my weight is not that I'm struggling with this habitual sin, which we all are. We all to some degree have to constantly throw off the weight of sin. But maybe it's other weight. Maybe you've been carrying the weight of worry. Maybe you've been carrying the weight of shame. Maybe it's the weight of regret, the weight of anxiety. What weight has been keeping you from running your race? Identify it, recognize it, and because of the power and the grace of Jesus, you can release it. 
It's, I love it so simple. Lay it aside. Like, like a piece of, of, of dirty clothing. Take, look, change your garment. You know, do we get that? Jesus took it. I can take it off. The idea is you don't have to wear it. Lay it aside through the power and the goodness of Jesus. This is so important. Uh, and then lastly, let's look at this last one here where we close out. As I take this intentional turn into the next year, I'm also going to refocus and resolve. Refocus and resolve. I've got to be intentional to reflect and remember who God has been. I can't rush into the new year and forget that it's the Lord my God that has brought me to where I am. It's him. And as I go into this next year, I've got to be intentional to recognize and release, not just today, not just tomorrow, but every day, the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares, so easily. And as I move into this new year, I need to be intentional about focusing my attention, refocusing and resolving with that vision. Um, that's the last thing he says. He says, in this race, as we're laying aside the weight, the sin, running the race set before us, notice this, verse 2, we must do so, this is everything, looking unto Jesus. Some of your translations say, I love it, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That goes back to the fact that he's the one who brought us through last year. He's the one who's going to bring us through next year. It's going to be Jesus who's going to get the glory when we pass the finish line of heaven. Nobody's going to be there like, oh, I made it. Wow. Yeah, no, they, they didn't. No, <laughs> they fell. The turn. It was the turn, right? No, it's Jesus, right? It's the classic footprints in the sand. He is the one who has getting, is getting us across that finish line. But as we are, are journeying together, as we are running this race, notice the importance of making sure our attention is fixed properly. Our eyes are focused properly, he says, on Jesus. And he's talking here just about a simple, I think, trick and just a tactic, you could say strategy, for endurance just in general. Um, it's really important when you're running a race to have your eyes on the finish line. That's why I hate running on treadmills. I mean, I hate running, period. But uh, specifically, when treadmills are involved, it's purgatory. I don't like it at all. And uh, just a disclaimer, we don't believe in purgatory here. We're Protestant. Okay, but anyway. The thing with treadmills, it's like all your, the, the, the only thing you have your eyes on is the countdown clock. You ever done that? You like try not to look at it. You're like, five seconds? I thought it was two hours, you know? And there's something, so when I like to run, when I run, I should say, when I run, I like to make sure that my, I, ha, I have like a distance, a goal that I'm going for. There's something about endurance that that produces. You know, there's something about how that produces. It's like when I, when I see where I'm going, I have endurance because I want to reach for it. I want to go for it. When I'm running with no end in sight, I'm going to give up. I'm just going to go, okay, this is enough. I followed you this far, Jesus. When you lose your sight, you lose your endurance. So, so, so the author is saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus. And how many of us know that that's hard to keep? In, in many ways, I'm sure this year, we have all lost our focus. We've gotten our eyes off Jesus. What a great way to intentionally go into the new year. Focused. I'm focusing my attention. Focusing. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. And I love how he uses the example of Jesus. Jesus did this. He said, Jesus endured the cross. 
for the joy that was set before him. He had his eyes. He had a vision. He was focused. He saw beyond the cross. He saw to a community of people in Solus Church that he was going to save. He saw the right hand of his father. He saw the renewal of all creation. See, it's amazing what vision will do, isn't it? It's amazing how far vision can take you when you see ahead, when you see clearly. It's amazing how, far, how bad a lack of vision will affect you, how quickly you'll give up. And so I don't know about you, but I try to do this every year. I try to say, Lord, give me not too many things. I can't focus on more, usually more than one thing at once. So maximum for me, it's three. Like, I just need a solid three, three or less. <laughs> three or less, no less than one, no more than three. Things that I can just fix my attention on this year, Jesus. And I, I would encourage you to do the same thing, to, pr- to pray that. Here's a good question. Where has God called you to focus your attention in 2020? As you go into this year, what's, what's the vision? Some of you guys, you, you do a word. Anybody do that? They do a word every year? Maybe you got a word. Um, I got a word going into 2020. It's the word, and this might sound counterproductive, uh, contradictory to what we're studying, but it's the word slow. I feel God is calling me to slow my pace in 2020. And that's just a word that I'm looking to focus on, to walk in the speed of Jesus, to walk with him and not run ahead of him. Uh, But what is your focus? How is God calling you to, to align your focus? And as you have your focus, the goal is to resolve. That's where you get resolutions from, right? You go, this is what I'm going to do. Here's my plan. I'm going to be resolved into this focus. And can I say, resolution is actually biblical, okay? I'm going to teach next week on our New Year's resolutions as a church. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I resolved not to know anything when I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul had resolve. Paul had a vision that he was resolved to stick to, and it was Jesus. Now, what is that for you in this year? Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to visit us in person, we gather at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School in Boca Raton, Florida, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more sermon content and information, you can check out soulschurch.com.